Lebel to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to jump him hard to the ice. Brady Lebel just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, so playable, oh yeah, you guys, know welcome. Hockey to hell and back, episode number 50. Six. Of course, I'm Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. That's right, I'm in Gravenhurst. I love it up here. If you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, I appreciate it. If you're listening after the fact, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, thank you so much. The support continues to be overwhelming. Um, this episode, as always, now brought to you by True Temper Hockey. Super proud to be a part of the True Team and uh, partnered with them for my Cross Canada Rollerblade. Uh, I got a, some pretty exciting news, actually, um, unrelated to me. I mean, I think the hockey world knows that Stephen Johns is uh, all of a sudden come out of nowhere. He's rollerblading across the United States, which I think is fantastic. But here in Canada, 
We also have somebody rollerblading across Canada right now, and it's nothing to do with hockey or mental health or anything. In fact, it's to do with the environment, pollination of the bees. I spoke with my buddy Zach yesterday on the phone. He's uh, currently in Alberta, started in Whistler. He is going for the Guinness World Record. He's doing like 2,000 kilometers more than I am. want to give him a big shout-out. I'm going to get together with him while he's in Ontario. I'm going to skate with him for a bit. When I bring it home out in BC, he's going to skate with me, which is really cool. It's awesome to have somebody to lean on. I also want to say happy birthday yesterday to my friend Sheldon Kennedy, who's really the uh, inspiration uh, behind, you know, me rollerblading across Canada. We have, you know, not the same story, but some similar things happened in a different fashion. And, you know, I, I reached out to him very early on in this journey and he's been super supportive. So happy birthday to Sheldon. He's uh, just a huge inspiration and we're both Swift Current Broncos and uh, really the first person that I asked about the rollerblade and he was very supportive of it. So uh, thank you to Sheldon Kennedy. Uh, I need some feedback on this shirt. This one's a brand new one. Full disclosure, you guys know I can't lie. I thought maybe this color would bring out my eyes. I don't know, though. What do you guys think? You think this is a nice color? Throw it in the comments. Let us know. Thank you to everyone who's ordered anything from Puck Support. And you know, if you know anything about Puck Support, you know that it's our greatest mission to honor all of those that we've lost. You can see it behind me. And these tragedies continue to happen, guys. And it's my mission. It's Puck Support mission. There's a lot of people on the team now with the same kind of goal. And every single episode, I honor one of those that we've lost in the hockey community. And tonight is absolutely no different. Tonight, we remember Andrew Carroll. Andrew Carroll, originally from Shoreview, Minnesota, was a hockey star. He was the captain of the Sioux Falls Stampede in the United States Hockey League before moving on to the University of Minnesota Duluth, where he was also the captain of the team there. Played four years in the American Hockey League for a couple different teams, and he also spent six different seasons in the East Coast Hockey League. He's an incredible hockey player, and tragically, in January of 2018, Andrew Carroll took his own life. And tonight, we're thinking of the Carroll family and all of his friends uh, and relatives just sending our love and support down there to Minnesota. We're never going to forget Andrew or any of those that we've lost. And he's up here behind me. Right here, and in fact, he's in my shirt. So if you guys know anything about Puck Support, every single item will have an in memory of one of the ones we've lost tucked away either in a shirt or in a hat. Uh, I don't have a Puck Support hat on right now, but uh, they're tucked away in the hat, and that's the way that we can kind of just honor and remember those that we've lost. So we're going to get into the episode. We're thinking of Andrew Carroll and rest in peace, brother up there with all of hockey's angels. We're going to do one commercial and we'll get right back with you and get the episode going. Hi there. It's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Shout out to uh, Jesse Paradise, Regan Bartel. I actually came across this picture I wanted to show you guys. It's It's a pretty cool picture. This is when Luke Shen came home. Uh, from the World Juniors, and uh, if I can see here, 
I'm right here. Jamie Ben's here. Tyson Berry's here. Tyler Myers is here. Luke Shen is here. Brandon McMillan also played in the NHL. It's a pretty cool picture. Unfortunately, Jesse's not in that picture, uh, but he's probably tucked over here. He was only 16. He probably wasn't around allowed to be around the gold medal. We probably had some rules about that. Just kidding. Anyways, guys, we'll see you guys in a few minutes. You know how this goes. I believe it's true in life. You never know where you're really going to find inspiration or inspirational people. About two and a half weeks ago, I went down to Barrie, Ontario to meet the true rep to get fitted for some custom skates for my Cross Canada rollerblade. There's no question I was excited about it. It was like being a kid in the candy store, but there was another reason why I was excited to get down there as well. I was excited to meet Sean Venadam. I first heard his name when a new friend of mine by the name of Sean Horswell started to tell me about him, but I really had no idea about his entire story. All that I really knew is that once upon a time, he was the captain of the Sudbury Wolves and that he was part owner of the 400 Source for Sports in Barrie. So when I initially got to the 400 Source for Sports, I walked in and went to the first person I saw, the only guy in there and said, hey, are you Sean? And I got the response, yeah. And I said, are you friends with Sean Horswell? That's the other Sean. And then I realized there was two Sean's that worked at the 400. I proceeded to the back of the store with the true rep and started to get my customization underway. A few minutes later, in walked another guy and I knew it must be Sean Venedon. And at first glance, I really didn't notice anything different about him. In fact, I was pretty impressed by how great a shape this guy was really in. He came over and we started to chat and it took me a few minutes to realize that there was something just a little bit different about Sean Benedam. But I'll tell you what, he's one of the most inspiring people that I've met in this last year, maybe even my life. Originally from Valley East, Ontario, Sean Benedam had a prowess for finding the back of the net. He loved to score goals and in 1993, he was drafted 90th overall by the Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League in the sixth round. Sean would go on to play for the Wolves for four seasons, even wearing the captaincy, and he had astonishing numbers. In 244 regular season Ontario Hockey League games, Sean Venedem found the net 114 times and assisted on 137 more for a total of 251 points in just 244 games. He was well over a point a game. Following a very successful junior career, Venedem would turn pro for the next 11 seasons, primarily suiting up in the East Coast Hockey League where he even won a Kelly Cup championship with the Grenville Growl. And in his rookie season, he was also named the ECHL's Rookie of the Year. He also spent time in the American Hockey League and the United Hockey League, but primarily in the East Coast Hockey League. And he appeared in 477 regular season games. And once again, he finished his career over a point a game with 479 points. But Sean's life would change in 2008 while captaining the Bakersfield Condors. He suffered a terrible leg injury. A compound fracture to his tibia and fibula would change the course of his life forever. Over the next four years, Venedam would undergo nine surgeries. And on the final one, it would be a life-altering decision. After all those surgeries and countless hours of physiotherapy, he was forced with a very tough decision to have his leg amputated below the knee. There's no question that this would have been a very tough decision, but without amputating his leg, there was no chance he would ever get back on skates. Just shortly after his leg amputation, 
Sean Benedem was once again back on skates, but it didn't come easy. He's going to tell us all about that, but by 2012, he was a member of our Canadian National Standing Amputee Team, where they took gold in the 2012 Nationals. Sean's story is one of perseverance, courage, and inspiration, among many other powerful words. After spending some time with Sean a couple weeks ago, I realized why he was the captain of all those teams he was on, and just the fact that he's such a great guy with an unbelievable attitude. So let's do it. Let's bring him in. I'm super pumped for this one. Now in Barry Ontario, John Benedam. Sean, I got you now, buddy. Uh, we're having we're having a bit of a, a technical glitch there, How you Sean. Well, brother, how are you? Take it to a quick commercial and uh, see if we can bring it back uh, and get a get a strong connection. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, -E, aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. We're gonna give him a couple minutes here, uh, but while I'm while I'm sitting here, uh, I had a very, very, very great discussion uh, with the guys from Pride Tape the other day, or actually Dean and a meeting with Jeff and Dean, and we have a pretty uh, pretty big idea for next June, which would be Pride Month, uh, and rolling something special out. Let's see if we got him. He's back. How's that? Are you there? That's a lot better, man. A lot better. There we go, man. There we go. Yeah, it seems it's a little jumpy, but hey, if it if it cuts out too much, I can just call you. But it seems to be working right now. Thank you. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, my man. Thanks for having me. Uh, my my pleasure, man. You're a huge inspiration and uh, a story that uh, you know I wasn't really well aware of, and, and I feel that you know we we should all be uh, you know brought brought up to speed. I, I know it. Uh, is a few years ago that it happened, but before we get into that, I mean, you were you were quite the hockey player, Sean. You uh, you were like a natural goal scorer. You were you're kind of like I, I assume maybe you were like in comparison to like Wes Goldie. Do you remember him? Like how much he used to score? I I played. What's that? You remember Wes? Absolutely, I played against him for several years actually. Yeah, like I just I just feel like. You know, what's interesting, too, is that the year that you had that terrible leg break, I actually, um, after my junior season, I forgot to tell you this because I didn't realize it was around the same time, is that I actually got called up to Victoria, and we, I think, played Baco in the second round of playoffs, maybe the first. I think we might have beat you guys. 
um, maybe in the first, but that was my first experience going down to, you know, Bakersfield and all that. You guys had some pretty amazing fans and the Condor bird and all that. Uh, what was your time like uh, down in Baco? It, you know what? It was fantastic. Living in California, you know, it was was a great experience. It was, um, you know, something I'll never forget. That, that organization as a whole back then, and, and I'm sure it is now, there's still a lot of people there uh, that were th that are there now that were there then. Um, that run the organization. It, it was a first-class organization by by all means. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because like uh, some teams do quite a bit for jobs, they have a bigger budget, but you guys, I mean, I, I was watching a couple highlights today too. You guys used to pack that place. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you were a key component to that team. And it seems to me that you were a key component on every team that you played on. Um, obviously you got the jump to, to major junior, um, you know, with the Sudbury Wolves and, uh, found just, and it seems like an infinite amount of success. You scored 47 goals one year in junior, which is no small feat. I mean, 35 is an excellent year. 40 is incredible. 47 is like, doesn't happen very often. So, um, you know. I'd like to talk just a little bit about your junior career before, you know, going into into pro and, and what that experience like was for you, because some guys have a really hard time, you know, moving away from home, you know, being on the road, kind of new town, because you're, you're not from anywhere near Sudbury. Is where you're from around Sudbury or was that like a foreign place to you? Yeah, Valley East is just outside of Sudbury. Okay. Yeah, I had moved away as a 16 year old to play junior B. Um, as luck would have it, I was actually drafted by, by my hometown Wolves in, in the sixth round and ended up going back. Did not make the team out of training camp, um, fortunately, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I came back to Barrie, started playing in my second year, and um, that's where I live now. Um, and uh, the Wolves ended up calling me back sometime in October. So I went back and, and yeah, and, and never looked back. Ended up playing, you know, having four great years. I, I lived at home, which was which was great um, to, to go back home. Uh, my, my, made my mother very happy. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was great. To, uh, you know, to, to be, be a part of an organization, a team that you grew up watching, idolizing, following, um, it was pretty special. And, you know, to captain the team for my, in my last two years was, was, was great. We didn't, uh, you know, we had one really good run over the four years. We lost in the semifinals in game seven, unfortunately, to a, a great Detroit team. But, overall it was it was an experience that i'll, I'll never uh, i'll never forget your yeah your time your time in the ohl you would you say it was like overall positive uh because i hear a lot of stories and you know i went through a lot of stuff too like did you what was it like back then as far as you know rookies and hazing and that kind of stuff was it was it pretty prevalent or did you guys kind of have a none of that crap going on on your team i think we no, you got it. it was it was very prevalent that's what every team did right and i you know you came yeah i can hear you can you hear me yeah i think we got a slight delay but are we're you, good are you still there you still got me okay um yeah and just to answer your your hazing question um no it, it was very prevalent back then um I came through a little before you and it, you know, it might've even been worse back then. Um, yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't a disrespect thing. It was, it was just the way it was. Um, it, you know, you, you rolled with the punches and either, you know, you, you didn't or, or, you know, you weren't that teammate. Um, it's unfortunate because the, the game has changed a lot and, and those things aren't acceptable in the game. 
Um, and back then, it was it, it, unfortunately it was just a, it was it was a way of the game and it was a way of life. Yeah, I, I, it's true, right? That's the way. That's kind of the way it was, and it was sort of accepted. And I feel like it. You know, even back then, the coaches, a lot of them had played in, in leagues, either the same league or leagues like that, and they kind of just let it go. And it was like, oh, this is part of the culture. This is kind of part of what you have to go through. And I'm always just curious as to what guys' experience is like with that. Um, but, you know, I, I want to kind of, you know, obviously you got EA, ECHL Rookie of the Year. Your, your rookie year, you put up 72 points in 70 games. Like, was that – was that expected? Like when you were turning pro, did you have that confidence coming at a junior? Like, you know, I'm going to continue this success at the pro level because some guys can't do it. Yeah, you know what? I, I got a taste of the American League after after my my last year. And, um, you know, I, I played 14 games there. And, and you know, that's when that's when you compare yourself. Can I can I do this or can't I do this? And at that point, I knew, I, I knew I wanted to play pro hockey, and I knew I could play pro hockey. Um, you know, those 14 games in the American League, you know, taught me a lot. And um, the following year, um, you know, the coach that I had in the American League was a coach that I had in junior, and he said, "Listen, if you don't have a contract next year, please let me know." Um, you know, I never thought in a million years I, I wouldn't have a minor league deal somewhere. But the summer started to go by, and and you know, by August, I, I said, I, "I've got nothing." on the table in the ring and I, I had I literally had nothing uh so I called him and he said listen just hang tight I'll have a deal come over to you right away so he called me back and um Don Waddell who's who's a GM in the NHL for you uh Don Waddell called me and he said listen I heard you want to play pro hockey I was talking with Glenn he said is this the path you want to go I said absolutely he said listen I'm going to make you a deal and uh when you know when I looked back on it was was it a deal with the devil maybe because um the deal was I'm going to sign you to a two-way deal um Adirondack, who was Detroit's farm team, had a dual affiliation with Tampa Bay. So they had they were getting players sent down from Tampa and Detroit. And uh, so there was just no room. He, and he's, he was very honest with me, and, and I respect him for that, because he said, it doesn't matter what you do this year, you're not getting called up. And, uh, you know, as the season progressed, and, and maybe, that was, maybe that was a good thing, because I, I played with no pressure. I, you know, I, I knew I wasn't getting called up. Didn't matter what I did. I, they, they weren't going to loan me out. And and I stayed with, you know, with the Toledo Storm for the whole season. And, and I was lucky enough to play every game. Um, we, we had a, a great rink. We played in a really small rink. It was, it was, uh, it was a homer's rink. Um, being a smaller player, we, you know, I, I, I was fortunate because we had some really tough guys out and a lot of vets and a lot of rookies as well. So I want to say that we had eight rookies. All of them were from the Ontario Hockey League. So guys that I played again um and it was nice to finally you know half as you were no kidding uh well what was your experience i want to f- I, I do want to get into you know how and just said how inspiring of a guy you are sean because of all that you've gone through i talked about it in the intro and um you know i think that i, I really want to hit on hit on that if you don't mind but um your overall experience of playing professional hockey because you know you played in the a for a bit then the east coast um and, and then you you know you made the switch to the old united league and and then came back to the east coast hockey league like overall what was your experience like kind of bouncing around uh you didn't bounce around a ton i mean you were you were with the same team for a couple of years but was it stressful every summer um or every couple of summers not knowing where you were going to play and did you have at the time, a, a wife or kids or anything like that throughout your pro hockey career? 
you know what? It's funny you use that word, Brady. Stressful. Um, hockey is is stressful enough, but playing in the minors is even more so. Um, whether you're a tough guy and you got to fight every night and entertain, you know, crowds, or you know, you're a goal scorer and you're you're required to score goals. Um, I I say, I say this in all sincerity and all honesty. I played the better part of 12 years of professional hockey, and you know, of those 12 years, you're, you're literally on a one day contract. Um, yeah. you know, at any petite in the minor leagues, you, you can be traded at any point. Um, you know, you can be released at any point and that weighs on a player over time. There's, there's no question. And, you know, when you're involved in it, you're not really thinking about it, but it is in the back of your mind. You know, you put enough pressure on yourself to play the game and now you're worried about, you know, if, if you have a few bad games or you're going to get moved or, you know, are things going to happen? I was extremely fortunate. Listen, you, you know, I, you don't play 11 to and, and never get traded or never get released. It's, it's, it's kind of unheard of in a, in a sense, but I was very, very lucky. I played for some great organizations um, all the way through. I, I, I don't have a bad thing to say about any organization that I played for. Um, you know, I was treated extremely well as, as a player, as a person. And uh, yeah, I have no regrets, no regrets whatsoever about, you know, that journey. And, and I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, it's interesting too, because, you know, a lot of guys, even regardless of what happened in their career, I, I always seem to get the same response. Like, would you, would you go back and change it? Would you, you know, guys that have concussion ending injuries, uh, or an injury like yourself, it's like, would you go back and change it? And it's like, no, absolutely not. It seems to be the common thread and the common answer because it really is. It's a, it's such a privilege to even play, um, in the American league and the East coast league and the OHL or the WHL, because there's not too many guys out there when you look at the whole spectrum of the world or just hockey players that even get that opportunity. And the fact that you were able to, you know, live out that dream, that career for, you know, like you said, parts of 11 seasons, pretty remarkable. Um, by the time you're 35, 2008, you're playing for Bakersfield, you're the captain and you suffer a terrible leg injury. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened and what the hit was like? And, and, you know, just was it, ex were you expecting to get hit or just walk us through what that moment was like, if you don't mind, if it's not too hard. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take you, I'll take you back a little further. You know, it's, it's February. We're fighting for a playoff spot. And, uh, you know, I, I was injured. I, I had a, you know, my, my groin was injured and I, I wasn't even supposed to play, but we had some guys, some other guys that were injured and that were worse off. So I decided to play and I, I actually my groin wrapped that night and um, it was late in the game. We had a, we were down by one. We had a set play. I came through the neutral zone with the puck. And as I was approaching the audience of blue line, um, one of their D men started to close on me. I saw him. I, I knew he was going to finish me just to dump it cross corner and try and generate some offense out of it. And uh, as he, as I was releasing the puck, I had left my back leg up to release the puck. And he missed me and just caught my leg. So he just kind of clipped my leg. And when he did that, my leg hit the top of the dasher. And, and from there, you know, it, it, it's that that's where things kind of unraveled. When I when I hit the ice, I, I literally tried to get up to get back to the bench. I still had my stick in my hand, my gloves. Um, and it's, it's then when I went to push off, it was my right leg, my dominant leg. So I just, I was on my hands and knees. I was on all fours. I went to push off to try and get to the bench because our benches were beside each other and there was nothing there. And then the, the eerie silence set in there. It was right in front of their bench. And I've said this before, you know, 
hockey players are probably some of the best chirpers in, in all of sport. Um, but in a situation where, you know, uh, uh, whether it's a, a teammate, uh, an opponent are laying on the ice in front of you, um, everything, everything becomes real at that point, at that moment. And there was an eerie, eerie silence on their bench, not just in, in the crowd, it was, it was on their bench. And when I sat, I kind of sat down and I looked at my leg and it was, um, you know, human instinct takes over. I, you know, I threw my gloves off and I just tried to, it, it didn't look right. So I, you know, I tried to adjust it and tried to get it back to where it should be. And then that's when, you know, the players started yelling, the rest, you know, had come over and said, just sit still, sit still. And they started yelling for a doctor and yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of how it happened. Wow. Well, it's, um, this is the thing, right? When we're not just in hockey, but certainly hockey, it, things happen so quickly and, and injuries are so unpredictable. We see it with, you know, the John Tavares hit and um, just different ways. You, we play, you play your hockey your whole life and, you know, obviously have injuries and things, but nothing maybe to that magnitude. And then all of a sudden it changes your life forever. And so what was the initial reaction and diagnosis and what were they telling you immediately after suffering that, that injury? Like, were you, did they tell you that the chance of playing is probably not so good or was there hope originally? Uh, no, they, they, they said, you know, it's, you know, I had a rod, some screws put in and um, surgery was done that night and they said full recovery, six months, eight months, whatever it is. And, you know, I was, I was off the mystic at that point or i guess hopeful but maybe optimistic um so that's where the problems all started so they they put a hard cast after surgery they put a hard cast on it they were not supposed to do that uh you know learned later obviously um so what happened was i suffered a Crohn's syndrome uh the swelling has nowhere to go when a, there's a hard cast and on a, in a trauma when your leg is uh, uh so what happened was the swelling reversed crushed the nerves in my ankle so I had lost all dorsi plantar, dorsi and plantar flexion in my ankle, and uh, that was in a matter of days. Um, you know, sitting at the hospital, I, I, the next morning I woke up. I knew something was seriously wrong because the pain was the pain was ridiculous. And uh, they had come in, they had split the cast, and which wasn't enough. So what they should have done was get the cast off and slice my foot open, perform a fasciotomy to release the pressure. Uh, if you can do that within 48 hours, um, you know you, you have a pretty good chance of saving your foot and um you know unfortunately that wasn't the case I, I had exceeded that 48 hour point and and by then it was uh you know i i was yeah I, I was i was in a lot of trouble wow and so for the next i guess three years you had several surgeries um and, and what was what was your mindset like after after kind of fully knowing that you know you're not going to have that movement in your ankle you're not going to be able to continue to play hockey like where were you at with your mental health and and how did you get through that oh buddy that's that's where things things got um you know i'm living in california this happens in utah i fly back to california I'm going through all kinds of different um, procedures. I, I'm, I'm on a daily basis. I'm, you know, I'm, I was at the hospital for I think ten days. Um, I literally went from hospital in Utah, flew back to California, and hospital in California. And uh, you know, you're you're trying to figure, you're put, trying to put the pieces together. So um, I started to recover a little bit from there. 
And uh, in the meantime, I had applied for my green card. So my wife is a registered nurse. Our plan was to live in the U.S. for permanently. Um, she had a good job. And things were going well for us with with the organization. And and uh, yeah, that uh, that all unraveled as well. So uh, I came home at, at one point when I started to feel a little better. I went up to Vancouver. I had a buddy living there. Uh, I came back. There was a, a package, UPS package at my door with a letter in it. So I sent my lawyer i said what, what's going on what's what's in this he said well we you know your green card is at risk and i said well, well how i said it makes no sense he said well there's they i filed your wife under the wrong category long story short you know you gotta reapply but we missed we missed the reapplication date you only have 30 days so i said well now what so then that things really unraveled he said well you're gonna have to cross over into mexico and this is a true story but but cross over into mexico get another temporary visa. Once you get that temporary visa, then we can reapply. Well, I don't know if you've ever been down to Tijuana, but uh, we crossed over and it didn't go so well. We were detained there um, for hours, um, you know, questioned in separate rooms. And um, finally, they allowed us to go. We made our way back, back to Bakersfield and pretty much were deported. So uh, my wife literally left within, you know, she quit her job, left in three weeks. And I, I stayed in California and lived there for another year because I needed... I needed to recover and uh, needed physiotherapy and get a house there. So um, yeah, that it, you know, that's when, when things, things got pretty, pretty dark at that point. So what was, uh, what was it that like pushed you through and, and, you know, like how, how did, how did you get through that? What kind of support did you have from, from the league or from the players union or from teammates? What was the overall reaction and, and where was the support for you coming from? If you don't mind talking about it, and if you don't want to talk about anything, that's fine too. No, absolutely. Um, the, the organization Wanderers were fantastic. Like I said, probably probably the you know one of the best organizations in minor minor pro hockey. They they were they were great to deal with. They took care of me. Um, you know, they tried to keep me busy. I started a blog. Uh, which was called Benny's Pennies. It was it was a lot of fun. It it uh, you know I, I kind of brought the fans through a, a day in the life of a hockey player and through road you know so that kept my mind and, and they kept me involved in every capacity. They did they did whatever they could to to make sure they were trying to keep my mind off things. Uh, tried to attend as many games as I could. Uh, games obviously. Um, at you know at one point I even I coached the team with the former players. Uh, Scotty Hay for for three games. The uh, you know there was there was an incident where was in, uh, there was a suspension there. So they asked Scotty <laughs> and I to take over for three days. So you know, we got to go on the road. We had a little road trip in Phoenix, which was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it, it it was good. You know, as support from from teammates, it, it was fantastic. You know, even um, you know this is something I'll never forget. They they had the rookie party the fall following year, and here I am. I'm a mess and. Um, a limo bus pulls up to my house and so i you know crutch the door i answer the door and it's a bunch of the boys standing there they said let's go we're, we're going i said what, what are you talking about they said we're going out i said what do you, I, i'm not even dressed i haven't showered i haven't showered in days right you're you're on crutches you're, you're trying to recover you're laying on a couch they said no you got to get out of the house so sure enough they helped me get in the shower helped me get dressed went out that night and you know just the little things like that would you know goes a long way for 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 a player and even a person, you know, that's, that's suffering through, yeah. through something that is, 
you know, it's, it's catastrophic, right? You, you, you've lost everything and, you know, including, you know, the pants, that was great as far as from, from the, um, you know, we had players hockey, uh, players hockey association. Um, there wasn't much there. And, and that's, that's, that's probably one of my biggest disappointments from, from the whole ordeal is, you know, um, you play, you play that many years, you, you pay your dues for, you know, literally pay your dues uh, for the better part of 12 seasons. And, uh, you know, nobody even called, nobody called to check up, nobody, you know, any, any, I guess any communication was, was initiated by myself through an email or a phone call. So it's unfortunate. Um, you know, I don't know if they've changed that at all in, in the last several years. And I certainly do hope so. I know you and I touched on it a bit, um, you know, when we were in the store that, you know, there, there's got to be some type of wellness program in place for, for players and, and not only professional players. You know, we, we, we discussed um, minor hockey associations because this isn't just a, you know, when, when you're career and out abruptly and it happens every day whether it's an injury or it's just the end of the road um you know whether you're you're a major hockey player um or you know you're, you're a junior hockey player and you're in your last game or your last season you're playing pro for you know 11 12 years and you break your leg but you were all in pain for so many years and and when when it comes to an abrupt end you know you, you always ask the question now what what do I do? Where do I go? Is there an because what, what you're doing is is great for any player, um, you know, whether you know they're they're a peewee hockey player or a professional player, and and you do you don't uh, you know you'll take anybody, and and that's I can't say enough I can't say enough about what you're doing, Brady. It's 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 very good for the game. Play the game. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I know that uh, we were supposed to catch up on a phone call. I, I, I missed your call. I called you back, but we'll have to hop on a, a phone call here in the coming days and, and put our heads together because I'd love for you to be a part of it in, in a small way, a big way, whatever, however capacity you would like to see fit. But um, I, I'd like to ask you a little bit about what that journey was like to get back on the skates because you had your, your leg amputated just below the knee, and you know, I, I've, I've read a couple things on – you know, when you first got out there, you're having to hold on to the boards, and and I just can't imagine what that was like. Um, it would have taken a severe amount of determination, um, commitment, perseverance, all these words. I can't even think of how hard it must have been. Um, what what kept driving you to, to be able to you know make it to the world championship team on the standing on the standing team? Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back to, to when it happened, actually. So it was it was hockey day in Canada, and it was it was 2000, February of 2000, would it have been 2011? And, uh, you know, I, I had lost, I had lost my passion for the game. When I broke my leg, that was, that was pretty much it. I didn't watch any NHL games. I, you know, I went to a few of my, my, I moved back uh, to Canada, and uh, I ended up up moving back to Sudbury then to Ottawa and even in Ottawa so ever but after recovering from one of my surgeries one of my last surgeries um I was just laying on the couch one day and hockey day in Canada just came on it was, it was one of those freak things and so I'm watching the screen and I'm, I'm you know all hopped up on on meds and and narcs and so you're you're watching this and I'm, I'm watching guys walk rank and and they literally are, are missing an arm or they're showing a prosthetic leg. And so 
whatever. I, I keep watching. Then literally the next clip, they show up a bunch of guys on the eye, but I'm, I don't notice the prosthetic arms or prosthetic legs anymore because they've got gear on. So I, you know, by now it's piqued my interest. So I want, they start to interview a guy and I, I turn up the volume a little bit to just take this in for a second. I was like, holy shit, like this is, this is remarkable. A, that these guys can skate. Um, a, that they're playing stand up because I had, I had just assumed, right. I was, um, you know, as, as naive as anybody, I just assumed sled's the only thing that an amputee could play at that point. Um, I had no idea that this, this game existed. And uh, so at the end, they, they had a little, so they had an email on, on the bottom of the screen. So I was like, what the hell? I, I researched, they got on my computer right away. I researched this. And at this point, I still have my leg. So, you know, I get in touch with them. They call me back the next day. And uh, I get on the phone with a guy by the name of Donnie Wade. He's the captain of the team. And um, so long story short, Donnie is a, he's an absolute beauty he's uh he's a piece of work and he has me in stitches and and probably the best phone call that i've ever had through this whole journey um so in the end donnie says listen man he said the world well he said in may of 2012 in finland he said you gotta shut this he said you gotta cut this thing off he said you gotta get to the worlds so jokingly i said well listen i'm at that point where i gotta make a decision and, and figure this out so uh I ended up, you know, going back to Toronto to see my doctor and, and he gave me the ultimatum. He said, listen, you got to cut this off at some point to get on with the rest of your life. And I couldn't do anything. I was, I was on crutches literally for the part of three and a half years. And uh, yeah, I made that difficult decision. Uh, he, I, it, was, it was May of 2011. And he said, listen, are we going to do this or what? And I said, yeah, book that surgery. So in, in June of 2011, I had it amputated and I started a recovery program at the military hospital in Ottawa. And uh, yeah, I, it, it kind of, that's where it kind of sparked things. And, you know, if, if anything, going to the worlds gave me a goal. That was my first, the for, first real goal I had set for myself you know, because I kept getting disappointed with all this bad news, all these surgeries I was going through. And, um, you know, so I, I set a goal to go to the worlds in, in May of 2012. And uh, yeah, as luck would have it, we back and, you know, we, we're now the six-time defending world champions. And, uh, yeah, I was just happy to be a part of that and share it with my teammates. And, you know, I, I say this all the time. It, you know, uh, we're, they were probably – I needed them more than they needed me by, by any means. Like, these guys are remarkable. Everyone has a story, and uh, it's a very unique story. And, and to sit there and to listen to these stories, just like a kid in a candy store, was, it, it was amazing. It was, it was mine. It blew my mind, actually. Well, what in, excuse me, that's incredible, man. Like it's, it's really not that long after um, having that surgery, you were, you were playing for, for the national team. And, you know, I just, I wonder if, you know, I know you said you set a goal, but was there ever a time like that first time you put, put the skates back on with your prosthetic leg that you were like, no, I can't do this. I'm not going to do it. Or were you like, no, this is this is something I'm going to do, and I'll keep working hard at it. Was there hard times um, where you wanted to give up? Um, what was that like? Oh, absolutely. The first day I went out, I, I, I didn't even last one full lap. My dad had come down to visit, and I told the story before. I literally, I, I did. I hung on to the boards, and you know, as as a former fed, I thought I'd get out there and just start wheeling around, right? And, absolutely not the case you know it was a very very humbling experience and i i don't know if it was so humbling 
I don't know if things really well, if it would have changed, um, you know, my, my plan. Um, the fact that it, it, it was a very shitty, shitty situation was, you know, in, in a humbling situation. I, I thought, I, I just, this can't be it. I can't, I can't stop here. So uh, every day, I would, uh, every single day, I would go out, you know, Monday to Friday, I'd go to the rink at public skating and get around and i got to a point where i had a really good buddy of mine campbell in, in ottawa he played at the university of pi um you know i gotta credit him because he kept he kept encouraging me he's like man we gotta get out we gotta get out. from there we started playing pickup uh with a bunch of and then uh you know when we couldn't get ice the, the, the weather had changed it was winter time we'd get out to the outdoor rink and we'd start skating out there and before you knew it, I, I was at my first selection camp at York University in Toronto with the, with the you know the amputee team and I I had I didn't think there was a chance I got out there I couldn't I, I was a terrible skater I was the worst skater on the ice and um, you know luckily they kept me around and uh, <laughs> they kept me around for a second camp down the road and and uh, yeah luckily they kept me and like I said that was uh, that that was a a very uh, I needed I needed that to heal and I don't think they realized. How big that was for me at the time, and and getting to go to Finland and and sharing that experience, and you know, putting that that Canadian in for a second time. I was fortunate enough to wear it when I was, you know, yeah. in my teens, and um, so yeah, it, it it was a great experience in itself. No kidding. What a what a story, man. That's um, it's pretty remarkable. And the the thing that I found through some research though is that. You know, I was a little disappointed to hear that, you know, the, the standing amputee team isn't necessarily supported by Hockey Canada. And you guys haven't been able to go back to the World Championships since 2012. And I'm just kind of inclined to what can we all do to make sure that, you know, we can get behind this and, and start to see you guys back where you belong. Because as you just said, you know, it's it basically – renewed your life your you it gave you hope it gave you something to work for and i'm you know i've i know there's sledge hockey or para hockey what they they call now i'm friends with paul rosen who i know that you've met before or spoken to and um i've also had tyler mcgregor who's the captain of that team but if we can if we have also the stand amputee team why are we not as supportive for for that team as well as the the para hockey team i i I'm wondering what you think we can all do collectively as a country to start to put people behind this and realize how important it is because unfortunately there's there's guys and girls that lose their limbs every single day. Um, I've heard of several in the past year hockey players due to different things like cancer and injuries like yours. And what, do, what about these kids that need that same hope, that same outlet that it was for you and all the other guys that were there as well that wanted to continue to play. I'm I'm just very disappointed that as a country we're not behind this. Yeah, yeah, man, it's 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 extremely disappointing. Uh, you know the Americans, uh, you know the American program gets the same funding, so. You know, whether you're the para team or the women's national team, um, they're all under the same umbrella. Uh, it's unfortunate that we aren't. Um, the, the Worlds were supposed to be in Vegas last year, obviously, with the COVID hitting. It was canceled. Um, massive event. There, you know, they had a division for, for women. They had a division for the deaf. Uh, they had a division for stand-up. Uh, uh, and I think, think women's sledge as well. Um, 
and, and the Americans were actually footing this bill, um, at, or wow. most of it. Uh, we are self-funded as a program. It's unfortunate, um, you know, in touch with a third party through the NHL, um, you know, through their initiative, hockey is for everybody. Um, you know, wh where that goes, I don't know. You know, we did interviews. We, you know, there was, there was uh, you know, a bunch of things that they went through, some questionnaires. They followed up with a few guys from the program. And uh, yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know. And, and you know, it, it's, it's sad to see. And yeah, they say hockey is for everybody. Well, if it's for everybody, then somebody's got to step up to the plate to support these programs. Because if you don't, then hockey isn't for everybody because not everybody can afford it, right? You, you said it best. You got these young kids who are, you know, they're, they're, they're born you know, without a limb and, and they want to, they want to get involved in the game, but they don't know how, how do they, where do they start? They go to their local association and they call it, you're going to have some guy on the board that says, well, sorry, you can't play. You can't skate. You don't have a limb. So who do those guys reach out to? Who do those kids, the parents reach out to? And, you know, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going on 10 years here of, since I've, I've actually lost my leg and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Some of the, some of the people you meet and some of the questions and, you know, it, it, it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate. We don't have more and we don't have the answers that we should have for them. And it's unfortunate. Nobody has stepped up to the plate because, um, I agree hockey is for everybody. Um, but we really have to just take a step back and, and actually put those wheels in motion. No kidding, man. Um, yeah, I was, I was, you know, reading your story, and I, I, I honestly couldn't believe um, when I read the fact that you guys were self-funded and a lot of the, you know, responsible for paying your own way for, for, you know, participation and, and playing for, you know, with the, with the, the maple leaf on your sweater. I just, uh, I agree, man. If hockey is for everyone, then we need to have everyone included, and it, it really brought uh it to my attention and as i'm sure it is people watching this and and listening they may not even know that as well you know and so you know getting the word out there and and i don't want to say put pressure on but put some pressure on the the powers that be to start including everyone because i just hearing your story and how impactful it was for you to be able to get on the ice with those guys uh have that camaraderie and and on top of it win a world championship how how are we not funding this program it just it's beyond me man um uh, i really hope to see that day in the in the very near future i, I really do and uh, i would like to know um you know that's yeah, go ahead. if you came to an event that you know that we put on it, it's it's great because we do bring we do bring younger kids so it's it's not just guys that think they're going to go to the worlds or make the team like we you know we have we have little boys like kids that are you know six seven eight nine ten years old that actually get on the ice and skate with us and and kids that you know you can show because the, these kids are hockey fans too and a lot of these kids don't think they can play the game because they are missing a limb and and that's that's not right that's not right as you know we talk about canada being a great nation and this great country um you know what it, it, we got to do more we got to do more as a hockey community we gotta you know we gotta do what you're doing you're you're reaching out you're putting yourself out there um, you know, and, and you're looking to help and that's everyone does, you know, toe the line. We could probably get somewhere and, and I'm hoping over time it will happen. And, you know, going back to my optimistic or hopeful, probably neither at this point, because, you know, every, we, we run into a dead end everywhere we go, uh, which is unfortunate. So, you know, we, we brought it to Parliament Hill, 
you know, that got denied. And, you know, we, we give money to all these other countries for all these initiatives, started helping out our own kids at home. These, you know, they, they can use it locally. So, um, yeah, hopefully something does come of it at, at some point. Wow. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I, I, I'm, praying for that day to happen and i'm you know i'm can't necessarily do anything about it but if we all get together collectively then we can we can all make a small impact for change and um you know it's it's now on my to-do list um without question to support you and, and and those that you know deserve it and i've always said through what i'm doing with puck support or whatever you know it's not just for able-bodied hockey it was for para hockey and and you know the, the amputee hockey and blind hockey and deaf hockey because we're all equal we all struggle with different things mental health or some people struggle with addictions or whatever it is just have a bad day and you know hockey is essentially for me and for for you in different times at your life whether it be when you're playing as a kid or um as a member of the canadian national standing team it's really an outlet and in sometimes a lifesaver and you know, it's, it gives people purpose and hope and it's just drives people to be the best that they can be. And so I, I'm just very disappointed in the fact that we're not where we, where we should be with that. Um, I kind of want to transition just quickly and, and just tell us a little bit before we wrap up here about how you came to be um, at the 400 source for sports in Barrie and what a great story you guys have. I'd never been in there. Um, I absolutely loved it, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. It's like every kid hockey player's dream. You own a hockey store, man. Yeah. Uh, story, I guess. I, I was living in Ottawa at the time, and I was getting into real estate, and, and uh, I had a mutual, um, I guess I had an acquaintance that, you know, he owned a store in Sudbury, and, uh, uh, you know, a store that I got all my stuff from as a kid and down and wanted to discuss things, and, you know, he was looking to divest a little bit of his business, and uh, he asked me what I would think about, you know, partnering. And so that's what I did. Uh, moved back to Sudbury for four years and, uh, yeah, bought into the store there. Unfortunately, it didn't work out the way I, I thought it would work or the way I was promised it would work uh, under our agreement. And, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I said, just uh, let's dissolve this. And I knew there was an opportunity in Barrie at the time. And, you know, I, I always loved Barry here for a year and a bit, you know, as a kid playing junior B, and I, I still had a lot of connections here. Uh, there were a lot of Sudbury boys living here, a lot of buddies I grew up with and played with, and uh, I, I had a really good network here, and Barry's only three hours from, from Sudbury, and it, it's the perfect fit. I, you know, I wasn't in the GTA, and I know, you know, you're getting really familiar with this area now, and it's a beautiful place to live. It's, it's you know, in my opinion, it's, it's one of the nicer places in Ontario, and uh, yeah, I, that's how it came to be, so, uh, you know, that's how 400 source for sports uh, came to be. That's pretty cool, man. And someone, uh, we got a couple uh, comments coming in. And yes, um, it is the one on Barry View Drive um, in Barry. Uh, my friend Brody Henderson watching. Um, he says, Is that on Barry View? Yes, it is. Uh, I'll get to a couple more comments here. And we have a, a slight delay, but we're good. Um, Barry Shelley says, I remember him playing near me for the Adirondack Red Wings in the AHL. Mike Bordeaux says, go Wolves, go. Um, he also says, I remember watching Sean play. He was awesome. Uh, Gary Ryan says, my respect to Sean as well. As well wishes, I shattered my wrist a few months back and will never have full range of motion on it. I can't imagine an amputation, let alone the adjustments in daily life afterwards. You're a gutsy man, Sean. 
Um, Samantha Marzin says that is truly amazing. The comeback is always greater than the setback. Truly inspirational. Hello to Sam. Um, David Grass, I broke my arm as a kid and could not imagine breaking my leg. I was lucky. I broke it at a camp on Lake Yugani. Um, and we also have Rob Frid watching. Are you familiar with Rob Frid? Uh, says, love you, Sean. You know Fritter? I do know Fr I Fritter for years. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was scared to death of Fritter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, he also says, both of you guys are changing our game. Um, he says, wow is right. Some struggle with uh, CTE, Brady. Absolutely, they do. Um, and uh, says, uh, Sean, love you, brother. Um, and uh, Brody also says, I just picked up a pair of laces there the other day. Beautiful store. So he was in your store, somebody watching. Um, and Michelle Miner, um, our, my, dear, my, de my dear friend, Michelle Miner, um, her son, uh, I, I mentioned this with a heavy heart. Uh, her son played for Barry Colts, and tragically, we lost him uh, four months ago. Um, and just a, a very sad, sad story. But she's um, somebody that um, I just appreciate your support, Michelle, your entire family's support through Puck Support. And I just love you guys. And I can't wait to get down there and meet you guys and uh, just give you a big hug. And um, just I think of you guys all the time. And uh, Daniel is right here always, 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 always right behind me. Um, so hello to the miners. Um, also, uh, Koala Girl says, hi, Uncle Sean. <laughs> I'm not sure that that must be your that must be your niece. But uh, yeah, man, um, we'll have to do this again. And I'm will um, I'll be I will be down there. Uh, very soon, hopefully. Um, she says, it's Emily. I don't know how many nieces you have, but I'll be down there uh, very, very soon. Um, oh, nice. Perfect. That, now I know. Hello to Emily. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, Sean, I'll... Uh, I'll be down there uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks picking up some skates because I believe they're getting shipped to your store. Um, so when I come down, I'm going to have something for you. Um, and I, I just appreciate you, man. And uh, I look forward to building this friendship. And um, we'll have to sit down one day and actually do a podcast together. I long for the day when I can actually sit down with guests in person. Maybe we can do it at your store one day or somewhere when some of these restrictions lift a little bit more. Maybe you can get up here. You, after all, you're not that far away from where I'm at, and I would love to get on the outdoor rink or any rink with you at some time. Uh, it'd be a huge honor to get on the ice with you, man. You're so inspiring. I appreciate you, and uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you again very, very soon, man. Brother, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing, and I can't wait. Yeah, let's let's do that. Let's get on the ice as well. I I look forward to it, man. I uh, I truly appreciate you, man, and. Uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, buddy. I'm signing I'm signing out here. We lost him. That's okay. Sean, thank you. If you're back there, give me a thumbs up. We're gonna come. I am gonna come down to the source for sports 
and we're going to redo this. Um, there was a couple of technical glitches and stuff, but Sean, I appreciate you, man. We all appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for bearing with us live through all the technical glitches and everything. Uh, I know it can be tough to listen to when that's happening, but it was such an important conversation. I didn't want to stop it. I just wanted to keep going. I got confirmation through uh, someone that it was still legible to hear. And, and uh, I hope that you guys were all able to take away something from Sean's story. And I look forward to really diving deeper into, into everything that he's done and gone through and we're going to do it all again. There's no question about it. Sean and I are going to become, I anticipate, probably closer than maybe even he wants because I'm going to lean on him a lot. He's a huge inspiration. I would love to team up with him, get him involved with puck support and start not just to just for what he's done, but to bring in all those guys and girls in, in the standing uh, amputee world, hockey world, and, and start to fight you know, for support for them and, and give them support if they need it. Encourage those out there with disabilities, with uh, amputations to get involved in hockey. I mean, this is a beautiful sport and I think we can all do more to make sure that hockey is for everyone. Sean is truly an incredible inspiration and I'm grateful to have met him. And sometimes it's funny how things work, you know, like I, I had the, a couple different options of where to go um, and how things were going to happen to get fitted for some true skates. And it just so happened that going to Barry was essentially the quickest option uh, to get my skates fitted. So me being impatient, I was like, I'm going to go to Barry. And then all of a sudden I get down there and I get to meet Sean. And here we have a new friendship born. He's able to come on the podcast, share his story and no doubt inspire so many people so sean thank you man i appreciate you and i just like i said i'm just excited to get on the ice and build this friendship and i'm always here for you um if you're struggling out there with anything do not give up on yourself keep your head up keep trying if you fall down pick yourself back up never ever 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 give up if you want to shop for some puck support stuff, we do have still the promo code going on. Never forget. It's going to get you 15% off pucksupport.com. Check us out. Follow us on social media at puck support. If you want to follow my personal page, you can do so at mental health hockey. Be sure though, be sure to follow blading with the bees. Check out my boy, Zach. Find out when he's going to be through your area because he's going all through Canada, through Ottawa, through Toronto, through all the different places, over 9,000 kilometers. And if we can all get together and lend him some support when he's through our areas, it would mean the world to him. He's funding this all by himself. He doesn't have any sponsors or anything. He's paying for all his own equipment. He had a crash the other day. He hit his head. He was in the hospital. He's doing all right, but he even had to buy a new helmet. I would love for us to be able to get together and start to support Zach's mission. I already contacted my people at Sonic, and we're going to hook them up with some bearings. Thank you to Cliff Chi down there in Los Angeles from Sonic LA. They're supplying me with bearings and cleaning products and uh, swag and all sorts of things for the journey. Uh, I appreciate you, Cliff. We've had so many great conversations and just an incredible guy. Um, and he was all for supporting Zach, so thank you. But I think we can all get behind Zach's mission. Without the bees, without pollination, we have 
nothing. Follow them on Instagram, at Blading4Bees. Once again, at Blading4Bees. Do me a favor, follow them on Instagram. Give my boy Zach some support. He's traveling the country only with his sister and a van. I can't wait to get together with him, rollerblade with him, show him my support, show him puck support support. So let's all get behind him. Shout out to Zach. He's probably getting close to Saskatchewan now, I would think, unless he's doing the whole Alberta loop as well. So he's going to join the podcast as well. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure if it's going to be a in-person podcast or if it's going uh, to be over, you know, the digital network, which we've been having some technical difficulties with, but I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Um, yeah, I'm just super grateful today. And before I go, as always, I want to give a special shout out to my family back home. I'm legitimately counting down the days until I get to see you guys and, and get home and give you guys all big hugs. And I absolutely love all of you guys in Brooklyn and Brody I miss you to pieces I know Brody sometimes you listen to the show if you are I'm always here for you in Brooklyn if you ever want to reach out I'll never give up trying but I also respect the fact that you guys may be heard and so I'm not sure how to navigate it but I'll never give up I will never give up I love you guys so much we're always thinking of all those we've lost Tonight we remember Andrew Carroll. All of our Puck Support merchandise has an in memory of one of those that we've lost. This is what gets me out of bed every single morning, you guys. Is knowing that we've lost way too many and there's way too many out there still struggling. There is a solution. We do have a plan and it's all coming together. And I just appreciate all your guys' support. But we are always going to need more. We want people to be involved. And uh, I think Sandra's watching as well. Sandra says, San Jose Sharks fans will really like that Puck Support t-shirt color. Tammy's watching. Good evening, Tammy. Hello to David. Hello to Will McIntyre. Thank you all for your support. Anyways, guys, back here Sunday night. I have a couple, uh, haven't ironed out who's going to be on the podcast, but I do have uh, some exciting ones lined up, as mentioned before. Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators is going to be joining the show to tell his story on, and what his journey's like been playing in the NHL, and also to give away some true merchandise, possibly a signed true hockey stick from NHL star Ryan Johansson. Fritter, thanks for the support, buddy. You too, man. Keep up the good fight. Always thinking of you. Jesse Tucker, my man. Thanks, Jess, for all your support. Proud of you. Keep up the good fight as well, buddy. Anyways, guys, that's it. That's all. We'll see you guys all Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Thank you to Sean Benadam. There's a picture of him and his beautiful wife and his daughter. Thank you for lending me him and taking the time off work. There he is. The cheddar of the Bakersfield Condors. You inspire me, Sean. 
Thank you for doing this, man. I truly, truly appreciate you and your courage to, to never give up. You're a great example of everything that we stand for here. We'll see you in a couple weeks. I can't wait, can't wait to come down there and get my true stuff. Shout out to everybody at True Hockey. You guys are incredible. Are, in my opinion, the leaders in the hockey industry, and I'm not just saying that, I don't have to say that, but their equipment is just sick. Maybe I would have been even better if they had it around when I was playing. Check them out on Instagram, at True Temper Hockey. I'm also going to let you guys know that we have an official partnership with Howie's Hockey as well. I wasn't going to announce it, but you guys are my trusted listeners, and I appreciate you. So stay tuned for that announcement. They're going to supply laces and different things. So it's... Uh, it's pretty cool. Howie's one of the, the biggest hockey companies on the tape side and everything else. So, um, yeah, super excited. Thank you to everybody at Howie's for supporting and everybody who supported us. It's incredible. If anything, guys, take it from me. There's always, always, always hope. From addicted to jail cell to homeless to psych wards. And here I am with all of the support from you guys and incredible companies like True and Sonic and Conix and Howie's and B-Sharp and all of you guys out there that listen and watch, you'll never know how much this truly means to me. I love you all. Have a wonderful Wednesday night. Go Knights, go. I know I should be Canadian, cheering for the Canadian team, but I'd love to see my boy Robin Leonard get back in the pipes. Go Vegas, go. We'll see you guys all Sunday. Be kind, stay grateful. And remember, have a great day, if you so choose. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframefit on Instagram. I'm grateful. Oh, yeah. Able. Oh, yeah. I'm stable. Oh, yeah. No label. Oh, yeah. You know me. I have. I want the real stuff. Everybody listen up. Cause I'll only say it once. I'm gonna show you all the path. If you want it bad, I'm gonna show you every side. Yeah, how you can get it back. Yeah, cause I ain't never done. I'll be number one. Working never hard until I get just what I want. Yeah, rise is like the sun. Yeah, fade like a gun. Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot until I fall. So I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving Yeah, I put out all the art, it's my only medicine Yeah, everything I do, I'm just being genuine Yeah, I'm sick of being screwed, feel my own adrenaline Yeah, I do just what I do, and I hope you let me in, let me in, yeah